welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob. Carl Mascarenas is busy with his day job. So we've got our super sub, Michael Singh, back joining us, managing editor at wakingthered.com. You can follow him on Twitter at MichaelSingh94. Mikey, a big win. This is becoming a habit when you come on the show. 6-2 over Roma in the first leg of the Europa League semifinal. Pretty much punched their ticket through to the final. How are you feeling? Hey, like you said, it's a 6-2 victory we got to talk about this time around. Way better than talking about any sort of losses. So I, I'm feeling good, man. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no worries, man. Let's get right into it. Looking at the lineups, obviously, Roma, they go with their preferred 3-4-2-1. They were forced into some adjustments really early. I mean, within... The first 40 minutes, they had to make three subs because of injuries. And obviously, that kind of threw them off. On the United side of things, they go with the customary 4-2-3-1. You had Pogba coming back, David De Gea in net for the cup competition. And you also had Edinson Cavani coming in. Any surprises for you? No. For me, this is United's probably best 11 to start the match. On paper, if I could, you know, draw it up, that's probably what it is. With all due respect to Mason Greenwood, this is a big fixture, and I think this is a competition United want to win because they're not in the mix for many more trophies. So to see his starting eleven this strong from Oli, I wasn't surprised at all. So when Carl and I were previewing the match, we weren't sure about what Rashford's status was going to be because obviously he's been dealing with that foot injury a little bit, and then we were also looking ahead to Sunday. That's another big fixture. Local lad, he'll obviously want to be a big part of that. So we were thinking if the only choice comes down to whether it should be Marcus Rashford on the right or Mason Greenwood on the right, then we were leaning towards Mason Greenwood, keeping in mind that Liverpool fixture on Sunday. Because frankly, to me, Mason Greenwood is better than Marcus Rashford on the right side. And so that was a bit of a surprise to me. If you want to play Marcus Rashford in his best position, then that's where you got to take out either a Fred or a Scott and have Pogba play deeper. Is Mason Greenwood better than Marcus Rashford on the right? Oh, no question. I think that I think we saw that clearly today. This was another game where he, he really wasn't that great on the right side. I mean, everything for United came on that left or came down the middle. There was really nothing that Rashford contributed today, I thought. Fair, but... I mean, Mason Greenwood came into a, what, a 5-2 match? And with... Oh, you know, I'm talking about Mason Greenwood, like, pretty much for the last few months and pretty much what, what we saw at the end of last season, right? Like, between central striker and the right wing, I'm taking Greenwood all day. I can't I can't say I say eye to eye with you on that, man. <laughs> I think Marcus Rashford as a player right now, I think he's he's a better player than Mason Greenwood. I mean, that's probably no debate right now. If Marcus Rashford's on the left, Mason Greenwood's on the right. But if I still think Marcus Rashford's versatile enough to play both the right and the left. I agree he wasn't as effective today, but he was also asked to do a lot more more work early on. As that was sort of my point, is it's it's tough for him to make an impact when, A, yes, he's on his, his wrong wing, but he's done it before. Also, the fact that, you know, Roma have that pressure early on. They're the ones that are kind of bringing it to United. So, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. That's, that's just, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I don't know if I agree that Marcus Rashford's not as good as Mason Greenwood on the right right now. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we're all entitled to our own opinion. Looking at United getting that first goal 
the way the match started out, it looked like United were in control. It looked like they were going to take command of proceedings. And with that goal, the way Pogba set it up, and then the perfect through ball from Cavani, Bruno, the perfect chip as well. It seemed like it was setting the tone for a blowout win. What did you make of that first goal? Brilliant by Paul Pogba. Absolutely brilliant. And I think before I get into what Paul Pogba did there, I think I'll talk a little bit about the buildup before that. Uh, United moved the ball brilliantly there. And they, they at first they swung it left and they came all the way across right. And then, you know, they worked it back to the left. Eventually it went out of bounds because Luke Shaw tried to play a ball through the middle. It didn't work. And then you have that moment of brilliance from Paul Pogba. And there aren't many players, I've said this so many times in the past, there aren't many players on Manchester United that have that in their toolkit, that have the ability to break a game down just like that, just in, in, in a heartbeat. Um, so his ability to turn, make a couple nifty moves that, again, only Paul Pogba can make on this Manchester United team, and have the awareness to get us hit up after that instead of, you know, sometimes you get in a rush of adrenaline when you make a move or two and you try to do a little bit too much. Having the awareness of knowing when to release. And he he put it on a tee for, for Edison Cavani to lay off to Bruno. And wow, what a finish. A death finish from Bruno Fernandez. That was cheeky. That was class. That was that was one of my favorite finishes of the season, I think. And it was just it's such a, a fresh, swaggy kind of manner. Yeah, it was cheeky because he shaped himself to hit that curling shot into the far corner. And then he just gave himself that extra split second and turned it into a dink. Yeah. And then th- that was something the keeper couldn't do anything about. So you think United are well on their way, but no. 15th minute, uh, Roma are coming down that right side. And Paul Pogba, looking to block a cross, slides in, arms up, ball hits his hand, and Roma have a, pe- a penalty. Pellegrini slots at home to make it 1-1. I thought that it was a bit naive from Pogba. I thought it was a silly move on his part, considering what we know about the rules now with the handball. We know based on the way the game is played, based on what should be called, you've seen a lot of players adjust to what the rules are now. And to me, that was just a clumsy move by Pogba to go in with his hands up first and then try to bring them back down because I thought... At that point, you're just asking for trouble. I think that's a little bit harsh. Because here, I'll ask you this. If, if there is a time for a player to slide, then when is it? When do you when are you allowed to slide in your own penalty box? Because oh, if, I have no issues with him sliding. I'm okay. saying, I'm talking about how he slides, right? Like, if you look at that replay, literally, it's... it's, it's it, Hands above his, his head. Arms, yeah, yeah, all the way up. And then he slowly brings them down. Whereas I think more and more, because of the rule change, you all, you see players slide. Like I think Juan Bissaka is a great example where you see him sliding to block those crosses all the time, but he's got his arms close to his chest. And so if the ball hit, hits you in that situation, you're never going to have it called against you. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just a bit clumsy on his part. And unfortunate I... considering he was a hero just a, a few minutes ago. I hear that. I, I, I do hear that. Here's here's my sort of defense for, for Pogba there. So, A, he doesn't really slide in his box a lot. Like, if it's very, very rare if Paul Pogba's going to ground in his box. B, it was probably the correct decision to slide. 
seeing as um i forget who it was who was making the cross but he didn't have the anywhere else to go like he's crossing that ball you can see it from a Mm -hmm. mile away so i like pogba's initiative to sort of commit there again with knowing that he doesn't slide in his box too often he actually had the awareness to bring his arms out from away like away from the play like his arms are over his head and he's sliding with his feet if it was a situation where he hadn't put his arms straight up first in his slide Again, I've got no issues with the slide. I love the hustle. I love the compete. But you got to know in this day, day and age, whenever possible, to keep your arms close to your chest. And in that situation, I felt like there was time to know what to do there. Sure, sure. I, I can see where you're coming from. It's just at that point, if we're, it, that's just, it's, it's unfortunate. Honestly, the game's kind of going that way. But. We're nitpicking almost at that point. Like I get it. It's it's we've seen it long enough where where players should know that that point. But again, like Paul Pop was usually not the guy to go to ground there. And if that's the one part of his game that we wanna, you know, kinda poke holes at, I'll take that because we get so much else from Paul Pogba, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is specifically within the vacuum of just breaking down this play. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's a world class player. I mean, there's been Plenty of times where he has looked the best player on the pitch, even better than Bruno, right? So that's nothing to take away from what he offers to this team, the difference he makes. And frankly, most of United's best chances in this match came courtesy of Paul Pogba. It's just within the vacuum of this play alone and how he can do better and what he should know better going forward. We can move on to when Roma take the lead because... In the 33rd minute, Henrik Mkhitaryan hits a ball down Roma's left side. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is forward, and it's picked up by Spinozola. And he's able to run and run, and Lindelof is with him, and Lindelof is with him, and Lindelof is with him. Does nothing. Doesn't stop the play. Doesn't foul. Nothing. Scott McTominay comes over to help. He does nothing. Doesn't cut off any angles whatsoever. And then you have Pellegrini putting in the ball square for Edin Dzeko to tap in. Nothing David De Gea can do about that one. What is Lindelof thinking in that situation? Yeah, it's a head scratcher. We're on the same page there for sure. It was Spinazzola, right, who picked up the ball. He was mm-hmm. in his own half. It was a 1v3, 1v4 situation. He had no support around him. He had no options to connect with someone else around him. He just backed Lindelof up for whatever reason. Lindelof had, like, even his first touch when he first broke away, Lindelof could have stepped right there in that moment and just ended the attack there or, you know, forced him to make a decision. He had cover behind him, and there's so many different opportunities during that whole run where Lindelof could have stepped and won the ball back. We can even... Like, yeah, sure, Scott McTominay comes over to help. He could have came around, and he could have closed off that threat right away, too. And then there was when Spinozola turned back, and he took a big touch away. Lindelof could have stepped there. He kind of half-stepped, and he didn't. Why are we giving him the time of space to, you know, let something come from nothing? Because that play Mm -hmm. is exactly what should have been. It should have been nothing. United should have won that ball back. He was not in a position of strength. Or at the very least, he should have forced him to go backwards because there's no reason for him to give up that ground. Yeah, that's just that's just disappointing. Head scratching defended by Lindelof. Mkhitaryan, I got to give him some love because that reverse ball was, was fantastic. I saw that run come across and I thought, hey, this guy might be offside. 
but he had the awareness to know that he, he was still onside. Great ball across by Pellegrini. And again, from that point, there's not really much you can do from it, but that was a threat that should have been put out a long, long time ago. And I know some people will look at Aaron Wan-Bissaka and ask why he isn't tracking back fast enough, but look at how many matches Aaron Wan-Bissaka plays. He's literally out on the pitch for United playing 90 minutes, not just week in, week out. <laughs> Two matches a week, he is giving you everything he has. And you should be able to trust your teammate in that situation. Whether it's committing a foul to break up the play, whatever it may be, that was a non-threatening situation. And they really should have been able to take care of business. Yeah, it's definitely not Aaron Wan-Bissaka's fault. I mean, if he is going to push up, there are going to be times where he does get caught. That's just natural. It happens in every single football team. It's just your center backs have to be there and they have to be aggressive at that moment if your team is pressing to sort of Mm -hmm. put out that threat. And again, that was just non-existent from Lindelof. I'm sure uh, Ole will have a talking with him about that one because that was so obvious that he should have stepped there. The last point I want to get into with Lindelof and this play is you see the difference between what it would look like if Lindelof was covering this play because it played out in front of our eyes (laughs) and what Eric Bailly would do in a similar situation because Eric Bailly has the pace and he has the aggression to make something happen. He has that aggression. Again, when we look at the future of this club, who should be at center back? pairing Harry Maguire for the long term. I think there are key moments over and over where the weaknesses of Lindelof just don't complement what Harry Maguire needs beside him and what United need in general. Because a situation like that, to be able to cover for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, if you have a defender with pace and with enough strength, that situation is not going to be a problem to deal with. Yeah, he's. I think Lindelof at this point has proven that he... He's a third or fourth fourth choice center back on a contending Premier League team. Again, I mean, talk about his play style, just everything. I've said this before. It's just so mediocre from him. It's so, uh, there are times where we're like, sure, he's, he can ping a pass and he does that all really well. But it, there's always these fallbacks where certain points you got you to gotta play like you're better than everyone else. You have to start acting like you're better than everyone else. You have to start giving your opponents less space. And this play is a perfect example of why, again, Lindelof isn't really a number one center back on a contending squad. In terms of Bailly versus Lindelof, yes, Bailly steps for that 100%. That's just the type of player that Bailly is. And that's also some of his downfall, is that he does step too much and he is a bit too aggressive at times. But at the same time, that works when you have the numbers. It works when you, you're playing against a squad that you're better than because you give them less time on the ball. If you give people more time on the ball, odds are they'll, they'll be able to create something, even if it isn't the most threatening thing. They create something as opposed to nothing. That's what we saw today from, from Lundelof, unfortunately. Now we talked about Spinozola a few minutes later. He had to come off with the injury. That was Roma's third sub because they had to sub off their keeper in the 28th minute as well. Paul Lopez... He picked up a shoulder injury and came off for Antonio Mirante. Who knows how much that influenced what we saw in the second half. But just before halftime, Cavani missed a golden opportunity to equalize after Ibanez gave it away and pretty much put Cavani one-on-one with the keeper. But he shot it right at him. And you're thinking, boy, European semifinal at home down 2-1. That's a chance you need to take. Thankfully... (laughs) United had 45 minutes 
to make sure they, they didn't have to think about that chance at all. I mean, as early as the 48th minute, Cavani was able to forget about that chance. Oh, yeah. That was a sweet, sweet finish after uh, Bruno and Pogba linked up. I was ready. I was ready to come in here and kind of rip on Cavani a bit because that's what he's paid for. He's paid to literally finish chances just like that. And you think if Marcus Rashford, if Mason Greenwood, they have that chance. Odds are that's finding the back of the net. And that would have been such a game changer. Thankfully, as you said, they didn't need that. And wow. Wow. What a finish from Cavani. That was That's what we expect. I mean, I think that's his... That's his MO right there. That finesse shot, kind of one touch into the far right corner. That's what he does for a living, and he's done it for years. It just That one was just so perfectly placed, and no keeper in the world stopping that. So credit to Cavani for being able to bounce back, and a hey, great buildup once again by United to you know create that opportunity because that was just a beautiful goal. It's funny because we, we saw the good and bad of Cavani's finishing a couple of times because... 53rd minute, he had another great chance where... Kind of similar. Exactly. And the ball was square to him and he just... Got under it. Had his body weight sort of going backwards and he's hitting it over, way over the crossbar. And you're thinking, wow, that's another wasteful chance. This guy should have a hat trick by now. <laughs> <laughs> but 60, 64th minute. What I loved about the goal in the 64th minute was the patience that Luke Shaw showed. Because he did really well to get ahead of the defenders on the left side. He was in position across, but he saw that there was nothing there. And so he waited, he held it up, played it to Pogba, who played it to Bruno, who then sends it wide to Aaron Juan Bissaka. And Aaron Juan Bissaka shot the ball. Can you believe it? Aaron Juan Bissaka never shoots, but he shot the ball. And good things happen when you have that intent. It's spilled by the substitute goalkeeper, Marante, and Cavani slots home. Yeah, great awareness by Cavani, first of all, is because he, he read that to a T. Again, credit to Aaron Wambasaka for shooting that ball. Not only just shooting it, though, he shot it at the exact right place you should shoot it. It's low, and it's across the body of the keeper, because if he is going to you know, get a hand on it, odds are is that's spilling somewhere else in the box. And as a striker... There are times you can't really teach this, but Cavani just knows where to be at the right time. And that's, that's, he's done it for years. He's done that for a living. His intuition there to read that play, that's what separates sort of the best goal scorers in the world from the rest of the pack. And Cavani's there for an easy tap in, which I'm sure he's done dozens and dozens of time in his career. After that, it was all united and it just seemed a matter of how many. 71st minute Cavani. Trying to get a f- cute finish <laughs> behind his back on goal. Gets fouled by Chris Balling uh, on a slide tackle. Bruno slots home the pe- uh, penalty. 75th minute. Bruno sends in a cross. Pogba, beautiful header into the back of the net. And then 86th minute. Mason Greenwood finishes with the right after an amazing ball cross field from Edinson Cavani. Everything looked like he should have been passing to Pogba in that moment because Pogba was right there in the middle of the pitch to tee something up and just, if anything, hold up play. Yeah. But Cavani sees it out of the corner of his eye, hits it with the outside of his foot, catches Mason Greenwood perfectly in stride. And Mason still had some work to do. 
And so to get up the pitch and, and finish that off and pretty much seal United's place in the Europa League final, because, I mean, 6-2, that's going to be damn near impossible to overcome, even if Roma are going to be at home. Yeah. Picture perfect pass from Cavani. Um, I was not expecting him to play that ball all the way across the field. I don't think Roma was either. And to hit Mason Greenwood in stride with the outside of your foot, again, I, I tip my hat to Cavani for another magical moment in this one because that that was special. Just that ball alone was worth worth the goal. Obviously, the finish, he, Mason got a little bit lucky, but at the same time, Mason Greenwood driving it, I, I expect that's, that's a goal. For me, that as soon as Mason Greenwood picked up that ball, I'm like, okay, this is going in the net. And it kind of went in the net as sort of Mason Greenwood's in a Mason Greenwood sort of fashion, kind of <laughs> under the defender's leg, uh, deflecting and off the keeper. But, you know, he still finds a way to put the ball in the right area to you know, more than likely find the back of the net because the keeper stopping that, it has to be a, a really good save. Um, obviously, it took a little bit of a deflection. He got lucky. But I feel like that happens more often than not to Mason Greenwood for whatever reason, <laughs> whatever reason. <laughs> and another thing I kind of wanted to point out on this play is Roma started in the 3-4-2-1 formation. Mm-hmm. And we saw on the Pogba goal, it's when you kind of break that first triangle, that first center midfield, the rest of the field opens up. And the yep. same thing happened on that Cavani goal. Cavani picked up the ball, already beating the, the trap that sort of Roma set up. And he had the whole field to pick from. Because yes, me and you, we were expecting Pogba because Pogba was so wide open in the midfield with a lot of, he could have turned a lot of space, run with the defenders. So I think Roma also saw that. And they kind of, once you break that trap, they kind of collapsed a bit. And that was the second or third time United broke that trap. And each time they made Roma, Roma pay. So that's credit to, you know, United for identifying that and Cavani as well for, you know, getting his head up and finding Greenwood through that. United, that second half, looked a class or maybe a couple of classes above Roma. But how much do you think it hurt Roma, that uh, the rule about the substitutions, where you have three blocks plus halftime? And so because of the injuries, they used up the three blocks with the three subs in the first half. And then halftime was the only opportunity that was left for them to make another sub. They literally had to go the entire second half without making any substitutions. You pointed out uh, their formation weaknesses. That's something they couldn't really address, at least with new personnel. Right. Yeah. Um, it has to it has to have played a major role in this one, just like you said. Anytime some, a team goes down with three injuries, regardless of the first half or even like throughout the game, that's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's just super, super unfortunate that it was the first half where that happened. It, it, that's a head scratcher. It doesn't happen very often. In terms of the rule itself, I I don't have a problem with it. You, know, you can still make changes at halftime. In addition to the three different occasions during the match, you can make changes. It's just like if you have three subs during the match, that's that's still messing it with you. It's not. I don't think anything to fault the rule itself. I think it's more so just unfortunate for for Roma because, like I said, usually that stuff never happens, and. Europa League semifinal against one of the biggest clubs. What a time for it to happen, I guess. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Well, how do you feel about it? The only exception there is to that is if there's a head injury. That's new. And so I wonder if there is a way, because I know it can get into a tricky situation if you just say 
injury substitutions don't count towards a block, because then, you know, late in games, especially, you'll just have players oh, yeah. faking injuries and embellishing and wasting time. But I wonder if, there, if there's some kind of way where, you know, it's clear and obvious when someone gets hurt in the first minute of the match and has to come off. <laughs> they're not faking that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, pretty clear that they're injured. So I just wonder if there's some kind of way to assign that where, you know, well, what if maybe instead of just saying three blocks for the entire match, you got like a couple for each half kind of thing. W- would that maybe be different? Uh, does it play out a bit differently? Yeah, I mean, here's what I will, will add to that is we've gone probably, well, I mean, we have over a year now of the five sub rule. Has it really been that much of an issue with other games? Has it really been been a controversial topic i unless you have some sort of bizarre injury situation like we saw with roma today i don't really think it becomes a talking point and if we backtrack even well when we have three subs roma's using all of their subs would you think that roma should then get an additional sub if we're just playing with three subs that's kind of the way that i view it because yes both teams are entitled to five substitutions but that rule was only in place because of the pandemic and because of right. the the lack of fitness and everything like yeah. that. So yeah, and I mean to your point, like one could just argue that Roma should have understood the blocks better and used their substitutions better, right? Like for example, when the keeper, like let's face it, after he picked up the shoulder injury, he went on for a bit and he seemed like he was okay. So when the substitution was actually made, it was it was a bit puzzling to see. So. If he could have just made it to halftime and then you make the change then, then that's more strategic use, right? So some of this is definitely on Roma for not using the blocks wisely enough. Hmm. I kind of see both sides of it. I think we can hand out some awards now. Let's do it. We've talked a lot about Cavani. I don't know if there's much debate to be had here, even though, you know, with the six goals, the way Bruno and Pogba were linking up, is there really an argument against Edison Cavani? Can we give it to all three of them? Is this a way we can give all three of them? Because that was that was like the most intriguing thing about that starting eleven was the fact that all three of them are, are kind of up there in that sort of attacking realm where they can connect, and they did just that. I think each of them did a job. Each of them made a difference. Uh, but like you said, we have to tip our hat to Cavani here because when mm-hmm. you have moments of magic like he did twice in this match, draw a penalty on another occasion. You set up Bruno Fernandez's first goal. I think, yeah, you you give this to Cavani. I'm with you there. Yeah, and by all means, shouts to Bruno, shouts to Pogba. Big parts of the six goals. But yeah, Edison Cavani, we saw the full El Matador in this one. Oh, yeah. Beckham boot, 6-2 scoreline. You're probably looking at who on that Roma lineup should get it. I'm going to be honest here. Chris Smalling did very little... To flatter himself. <laughs> oh, I, thought, yeah. I thought he had an atrocious, atrocious game. Yeah, he started well. He started all right. Um, aside from that first goal where he got beat easily. It's just one pass. Like he The was first okay. goal, he got beat easy. He conceded yeah. the penalty. Yeah, yeah. I thought he got bullied way too easily by Pogba on the header. Overall, I look at Smalling and I say, mm, yeah. maybe maybe doing his old club a favor with that performance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I wholeheartedly agree. Like he definitely did not have his best game whatsoever by any means. But what about what about the backup keeper that came in? 
because he gave up I mean, five. <laughs> that that's a good shout as well because you think about the way a lot of these crucial matches go down. It's these key moments that can change the momentum, right? Yeah. And if he's able to hold on to that Erwan Bisaka shot, yeah, and it stays two two, right? Because of the fact that United get two fairly quick goals in that second half, it, it it bleeds into what happens after that. But say it's 2-2 and now you're into the 70th minute and Roma are hanging on, you know, they start to feel good too. That You know, we've, we've got two away goals. Oh, yeah. We can go back home and we can protect this. So, yeah, the keeper, I definitely agree with you. He let them down. Antonio Marante. And he uh, also, again, I'll bring that Mason Greenwood goal back up as... He should have saved that goal, in my opinion. Yes, it took a slight defection, but it's to your bottom right where you're probably expecting Mason Greenwood to go, and he kind of just mm-hmm. flicks his foot out at it. And I, I just think he could have got a piece of piece of something on that, um, and he didn't. So, right. So questionable goalkeeping for sure. Obviously, a tough situation to come into a middle of a match. So I'll cut him some slack there. But when you give up five, you're at least a candidate for the Beckham boot. Yeah. I, I definitely think he's a candidate. I think the only discount that I'll give him is that he is the second choice keeper. He is 37 years old. And when I look at Chris Smalling in terms of his importance when he's been healthy to Roma, it, it, as far as a letdown is concerned, Agreed. I'm looking at Smalling before I look at Mirante. Agreed. Smalling had bigger expectations coming into this one for sure. Noisy neighbor, best player on Roma's side. Obviously, that's uh, another tough one because of uh, the final scoreline. But you think about the way that match went early, especially that first half. I thought Lorenzo Pellegrini was really building up into a captain's performance. I'm with you there. He was pretty much all over the pitch. And then he sets up uh, the goal for them to take the lead. He slots home that penalty. I mean, De Gea guesses the right way. But there was still nothing he could do about it because it was right into the corner. So... He was probably the best Roma player on the pitch for my money. Yeah, and you mentioned there he slotted away the penalty too. Um, and he's a homegrown guy. He's he's from Roma. He's twenty four years old, and he you can tell he he plays with that on his on his sleeve. He every like you said a real captain's performance. He was all around the pitch today, and I think he made his team better. He made the players around him better. He made a really intelligent run on that second goal to get that ball. Um, obviously Nicotarian picking him out with the reverse pass, but that doesn't happen without Pellegrini making that run. He was able mm-hmm. to lose every single United defender there, find the space because he realized Lindelof came over too far. And he not only found that space, he stayed on side there. Granted, Luke Shaw probably should have stepped up, but he managed to stay on side for probably longer than he should have. I think Nicotarian probably could have picked up that run a little bit sooner. But he still, again, managed to stay on side, and then that ball was just picture-perfect. Picture-perfect. So, yeah, I'm with you there on Pellegrini. That wraps it up for the awards. We can move on to previewing United's next match. There's With a 6-2 result, there's no better way to go into a Sunday fixture against Liverpool. What are your expectations going into that match? I think Liverpool, in some ways, they're, they're kind of primed to finish out the season strong. Obviously, they'll want to get into the top four for Champions League next season. And you look at their fixture list to close out uh, the APL after the United match. I mean, they're looking at Southampton, West Brom, 
Burnley, Crystal Palace. So they'll be thinking if they can get three points against United, those next four, it should put them in good shape to really push for a Champions League spot. What are your expectations going into this match? Uh, I think these are two sides who are kind of in form here. Obviously, Liverpool earlier this month, they had that disappointing um, loss to Real Madrid, which saw them bounce out of the UEFA Champions League. So as mm-hmm. you said, this is a fixture I think they're going to be throwing everything at. I think that you, you know Liverpool is going to come at this strong, and you know this is the game that they really want to win in order to sort of set themselves up in a position to close up the season on a positive note after a really down season. They're also not that far out of fourth place. So that's still in reach for them. And if they can, again, string together five victories here, they can definitely sneak in. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of hesitant here because I think Liverpool might be the more desperate side in this one. United are kind of sitting pretty there in second place. <laughs> but that being said, if you if this game that we just saw, if this didn't finish 6-2, I think United would have been in a really kind of poor position because they're obviously their attention is on this Europa League and if they have another mm-hmm. midweek match coming up that they really need to get a result out of you're looking at United not playing the strongest 11 do I expect them to play their strongest 11 they might they might play a stronger 11 in this Liverpool game than they they, they would in that that Roma game come midweek oh I'm with you on that 100% yeah you think they're coming out with a stronger 11 for this one yeah because I think it'll be a big statement. You always want to beat Liverpool. Frankly, Leicester making that comeback win against Crystal Palace, it means the lead is down to five points in terms of finishing second. And I think that's something that ideally Ole would want to secure. And so a couple of seasons, consecutive seasons in the top four is a big deal. But to go, you know, we finished third, then we finished second. I think uh, that's something that Ole will be keen on. So I fully expect a strong lineup. You've got a 6-2 aggregate scoreline in your favor right now. Yeah. One more thing to factor in there is that they do play Mm -hmm. Leicester before the end of the season. United play Leicester on May 11th. So they still have that three-point swing that could happen where they... They, you know, they they throw everything at that Leicester game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if United don't throw out their strongest eleven for this one. Like you said, Marcus Rashford is kind of a dealing with an ongoing problem. If this, you know, was closer in the table, maybe they make sure Rashford plays both matches. Uh, it's a, it's gonna be. I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. Oli has a, Oli has a, you know, kind of a dilemma. Not really. It's a good problem to have. He has just something to work through here. Right. See, I think what changes now is whereas if you still need to to really keep Cavani and Pogba fit for the following Thursday for the second leg against Roma, yeah. then you're saying, okay, you know, let's start Greenwood. Maybe if we need Cavani in the second half, we bring him on, that type of thing. But now, knowing that this fixture can take precedence over that one, I think you can still go in and say, let's start Cavani. Um, let's start Mason, uh, Mason yeah. Greenwood on the right. Let's play uh, Rashford on the left. Let's play Pogba a bit deeper, and we'll yeah. see how that goes. I mean, obviously, we know the preference, and maybe we can get into the starting uh, 11 now. We know the preference in the big matches is to have Scott and Fred together. Yeah. I don't know if that happens. They were, yeah, they were a bit disappointing today, right? You look at the back four, I don't anticipate changes there just because 
those four have been together for quite some time now. Maybe Alex <laughs> Tellez. I mean, when's the last time we saw Eric Bailly play the first leg? And against, he's he's uh, just signed a new contract too. So yeah. maybe, maybe we see some rotation. I think this is going to be interesting to see where Solskjaer's mind is at. I lean towards, yeah, let's go beat Liverpool. Yeah, because then they're going to get that time to rotate their squad on Thursday when they play the return leg. Yeah, so for me, I've got Henderson in goal. I've got the back four of Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, and Juan Bissaka. I'm going with Pogba and Fred together in the midfield just because the way Liverpool try to make those intricate passes, I I lean towards having someone quicker like Fred who is keen on those interceptions. And then... Is that factoring in McTominay's kind of like an academy product? He knows what it means to play in one of these matches. Like, if I imagine a Liverpool-Manchester United match... It's yeah. hard for me to leave Scott McTominay out of it because I think he's like the most passionate player on the team. Like, yeah, he, I mean, you th- you think about both Scott and uh, Rashford, yeah, for a match like this, right? And how much it means yeah. to them. No, it, I can I can definitely hear that. I can definitely hear that. I I just feel like I would like to see Ole be a bit brave in this one. I was disappointed that he wasn't braver in this first leg against Roma. You know. Go ahead. Let's let's see Pogba in that deeper role. You don't need two defensive mids against Roma, um, and he showed that additional respect. In the end, the scoreline works out just fine. But against a Liverpool side where you say you've, got, as you've correctly said, they've got a bit of a cushion in second yeah. place, and worst comes to worst, you still have a fixture against Leicester to put it to bed. Why not really throw caution to the wind and say, hey? We're coming to beat you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I have no idea. I have absolutely <laughs> no clue what Ole's going to do here. And it's a good problem to have. I think he has room now to be a little bit creative, as you said. And again, why not try out something new, see if they, they find some fire. But that being said, this is a team that is in form. Why are we changing what isn't broken, I guess? How long, when was the last time United lost the match? I think it's we're going back to like seven, eight games ago. If that, mm-hmm. right? And we know against stronger oppositions, we know that Ole loves that, that those two holding midfielders. Can Paul Pogba be that be that holding midfield in the past? He, he really has struggled in that position. But if there is a time to give him that run out again to see if he can do it. Just to be clear, when I say put Pogba deeper, the reason I say is because more often than not, when they've started with Pogba in the two CDM role, he hasn't actually been playing that position. He's sort okay. of been playing in front of one of Fred or Scott, but behind a, sing, a single a single pivot. Then, so at the back yeah, there with exactly. Pogba in front. I think I, I honestly think some of that is he might actually be lined up in that role, but just Pogba doesn't play that role. <laughs> There's too much <laughs> offensively that Pogba wants to do, and like he'll drift out yeah. of that position naturally. I don't know if he's actually capable of playing that that role strictly yeah. like that is he but that's exactly what i want to see yeah and if there's a time like i said if there's time to do that now's the time because you have that cushion in terms of what bruno's looking at in front of him do you think cavani gets in for me it's gonna be rashford on the left cavani up top and greenwood on the right do you see it differently i don't see it at all i have no idea <laughs> um i wouldn't be surprised if we see daniel james come into this one 
Uh, wow. Just, just because, again, they've you know played three days ago or whatever, and you know some rotation there, and we know Daniel James can always offer a spark. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I think. I think his chances of playing in this match might have been hurt quite a bit by his performance against Leeds in the last weekend. Yeah, no, that that's a fair shout. But like you said, we have a cushion if you know maybe we need to do get get behind him, give him a little bit of confidence because obviously he didn't have a great match last time out. And you know, if there again there is a time to give someone uh, a little bit of boost of confidence, now is that time. Uh, but like I said, like your guess right now is as good as mine. If I had to choose, <laughs> ideally, yes, I have Cavani and Greenwood up there. That would be my ideal preference. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, Oli just gives us a surprise starting eleven. That's gonna wrap it up for this one, Mikey. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, you can find his work at WakingTheRed.com, covering TFC, covering Canada soccer, and. You've got footy talks going strong as well, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lots of lots of different content, especially from a Canada soccer angle. So appreciate you guys for tuning into that, and thank you for all of your support so far. A reminder: we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl, myself, and this time Mikey, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.